Welcome to the I Am Persuaded podcast with Travis Shelton. Our desire is to provide weekly encouragement and biblical truths so that you too can be persuaded that He is able. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Now, let's hear what Pastor Travis has to say. Welcome to I Am Persuaded as we celebrate this week the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and this episode going up on Good Friday, the day that we celebrate and we set aside to think on the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the day that he paid for the sin debt of mankind, and we are immensely grateful. And all that we have inside of our relationship with Jesus comes from this weekend 2,000 years ago as Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. This is the reason we gather together every Sunday. This is the reason we open Scripture. This is the reason we can pray because now we have a mediator between us and God, and that is Jesus Christ. And so with that being said, I don't want to take much of your time on this Easter weekend, but I do want to just share one of my favorite Bible verses, and we'll take a break from Psalms and get back to that next episode. But I want to share one of my favorite Bible verses that really just engulfs the entire event of this weekend and all that Jesus Christ accomplished for us so that we can have the free gift of eternal life. And my favorite Bible verse is 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. And the Bible says this, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That verse really just completely teaches the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It speaks about God's plan. It speaks about what Jesus became and what Jesus fulfilled so that we can now have righteousness through Jesus Christ. So I just want to unpack this verse and what it means to us as believers in Jesus and what it also means for Easter weekend and what it means that Jesus Christ went through to give us this free gift of salvation, to give us this righteousness that we do not have and do not possess in ourselves, but because Jesus has imputed righteousness to us, we now gain salvation. And so we know the gospel, but always it's good to just take time to reflect on the gospel. The gospel is not something that's just for the lost person sitting in the congregation on a Sunday morning going to accept it for the first time. The gospel is for the lost person, but the gospel is also for the believer in Jesus. The gospel is what we grow by. The gospel is what forms us into becoming like Jesus through the process of sanctification. And so when we accept Jesus as Savior, there's a word that means we are declared righteous in the sight of God. That word is justification. But then once we believe on Jesus and we're justified, sanctification begins. The Holy Spirit resides on the inside of us. And day by day, moment by moment, verse by verse, prayer by prayer, We are becoming like the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is fulfilled when we get to heaven with a process that's called glorification. We are we get new bodies, we are sinless, we are righteous completely in the standing with Jesus, so we're justified in his sight, being sanctified, and awaiting to be glorified in the future. But how do we obtain that? What makes it so that we sinners can obtain sanctification, justification, and glorification? What is that? Well, it's Jesus. It's Jesus' sacrificial love for us so that we can have this free gift of justification, sanctification, and the soon glorification. It's what he accomplished for us. And so I think it's just fitting on Good Friday to take a moment and just reflect on what the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished for you. A lot of times our priorities, and I'm speaking from experience, our priorities get out of focus 
and we start giving a lot of weight and a lot of credibility and a lot of our time and affection and devotion to things that have not given us what the Lord Jesus Christ has given us. And this is not a works-based salvation, but it is a gratitude and a thanksgiving that we should have for what Jesus Christ accomplished for us on the cross 2,000 years ago. And so he lived that sinless life, foretold in the Old Testament that he would be born in Bethlehem, that he would then live a sinless life, foretold in the Old Testament that he would be crucified. You can read Psalm 22. You can read in Isaiah that he was going to be beaten. He was going to be uh, crucified for us and for our sins. And so Jesus Christ lived 33 spotless years. And then willingly, he goes to a cross and willingly he stands before Pilate and willingly he gets crowns upon his head and willingly he gets scourged and beaten and mocked and betrayed. Willingly he went through all of this so that we could have salvation. See what the verse says that I read in the beginning, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he, that's God the Father, hath made him, that's Jesus the Son, to be sin for us who knew no sin. And so this verse teaches us a very beautiful doctrine that we have to understand when coming to faith. Jesus Christ was sinless and innocent, yet he went to the cross as a sinner so that he could pay for your sins and that he could pay for my sins. And so Jesus Christ, he goes to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane right before this, and he says, God, Father, if it be your will, let this cup of indignation pass over me. Let this huge task that's about to happen pass over me. But Lord, let your will be done. Father, let your will be done. And the Lord Jesus knows full and well the plan of God the Father since before the foundation of the world is to go to the cross, is to pay for the sin debt of mankind, foretold all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve sinned, foretold when Abraham brings Isaac up on the mountain to sacrifice him, and Abraham prophesies, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. Fast forward all throughout the Old Testament and this sacrificial system is going on. Genesis ends with the death of Joseph. Exodus ends with the death of Moses. And so all throughout the Old Testament, it's death and it's death and it's a sacrifice of an innocent lamb. But then bursting onto the scene in a small town called Bethlehem in the Gospels is this man, Christ Jesus, who John 1.1 says he is the word. He is the living God in the flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, John chapter 1 says. And so when God humbled himself, not to be ministered to, but to minister, to take on the form of a servant here on earth, he lived that sinless life willingly and humbly and sacrificially so that we could have forgiveness of sins and be saved and know Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. That was the plan since the foundation of the world, and Jesus knew this. And so as his time was approaching, he rode into Jerusalem on Sunday on that colt that he sent his disciples to get. He rode in on Palm Sunday as they waved palm branches as he entered the city, and a lot of things transpired in the last week of his life. He threw the people out, the money changers, out of the temple. He was betrayed. He was denied by one of his followers. He was hurt. He was then brought before Pilate, and Pilate says multiple times, I find absolutely no fault in this man. And that goes back to the Old Testament sacrificial system. When a lamb would be born, specifically at night, there would be shepherds that were looking and would analyze these sheep and these lambs, and they would say, 
If they look remotely spotless, they would wrap that baby lamb in swaddling clothes, lay it in a manger, and then the next day a high priest or someone in charge would come and look over this lamb to make sure it was spotless. And if the lamb was in fact spotless, they would wash their hands and they would say, I find no fault in this lamb. He is worthy to be a sacrificial lamb. Well, Abraham prophesied to Isaac, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. Jesus walks down the road toward toward the Jordan River while John the Baptist is baptizing. And what does John call him? He says, behold, that word means stand at amazement. Look, behold, the lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. So John the Baptist knew who Jesus was. And so then fast forward, Jesus stands before Pilate. And what does Pilate say? I find no fault in this man. But take a step back. At his birth, he was what? Wrapped in swaddling clothes. He was laid in the manger as the sacrificial lambs were during this time period. Then at the end of his life, just like the the high priest or just like the one in charge would wash their hands over those sacrificial lambs and say, I find no fault in him. That's what Pilate said over Jesus. I find absolutely no fault in this man. He is sinless, offered Barabbas, and they say crucify Jesus. They then take Jesus to what's called a scourging post. And I believe I've done a podcast on this before, so not to take too much time here, but they would bend Jesus over this scourging post, take his clothes off, and they would take two weapons called a cat of nine tails. And they would then, on on these weapons, nine strands of leather would come off. And there was bone and glass and fragments that were sharp on the end. And they would take around 40 whips to each side of the victim. This is Jesus. They say after they would leave the scourging post, their tendons and their lungs would be exposed because the beating was so brutal and so just awful. They then took a crown of thorns, a huge, huge thorns. They would beat it into Jesus's head with the centurion spear. He's going up to Calvary, up to Golgotha, the place of the skull. He had to carry part of his own cross. You see, the Romans, they crucified people all the time for wicked behavior. But here's Jesus. He's no thief. He's no robber. He's not a murderer. He's not even a liar. And here he is walking this shameful walk without clothes on, carrying this hundreds of pounds of wood on his back as it's been ripped to shreds with the cat of nine tails. When they get finally to the top of the hill after someone helps Jesus carry his cross, they have pre-dug holes and then they have another beam that they would lay horizontal onto the beam that the victim would carry, or in our case, Jesus. They would fasten the two together and lay the person, stretch their arms out on this cross, and they would take two railroad spike nails and nail them into the wrist. The Bible prophesied that not a bone of him would be broken, and so there's a bone in your wrist that splits where the tendon goes, the tendon that is your funny bone. And they would beat those nails through the tendon, and it would say, the doctors say it's like 10,000 volts of electricity that would course through your body on both wrists. Then through the feet, then they would drop that cross into the ground. And as it would thud, his back that was ripped to shreds would go up and down this splintery wood from the cross. And just to breathe, you have to pick yourself up with the nail through your feet and then let yourself back down to exhale. So with every inhale, he has to pick up. And with every exhale, he has to drop back down on this cross. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, he was sinless. But he was dying as a sinner. Why? For us. He was going through all of this pain, all of this betrayal, all of this heartache for us 
so that we could be made the righteousness of God in him. That's the type of love he has toward us. Romans 5, 8 said, God demonstrated or commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. As Jesus hung there on the cross, there's a few sayings that he said while he was on the cross, but one of them is one word in the Greek, three words in the English, to telestai in the Greek, it is finished in the English. And I love what Tony Evans said. He said, Jesus didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. He was just getting started. Our redemption was about to be paid in full. Our redemption was about to be available to all that would believe by faith through the grace of Jesus in him alone. It was about to be finalized so that we could accept his sacrifice. So as Jesus hung there, he shouted out, it is finished, meaning the sin debt for mankind is paid in full. Just like it was a legal term 2,000 years ago, they would stamp onto someone's debt to telestai, paid in full. And so Jesus said, with my blood, with my sacrifice of my innocent life, I will stamp on every single sinner's life that will come by faith and accept my offer. I will stamp onto their sin debt to telestai, meaning I have paid it in full. Tony Evans said, he didn't say I'm finished. He said, it is finished. Our sin debt has been canceled. Our sin debt has been paid in full all because of this sacrifice that Jesus Christ was making upon the cross. Then that night they placed him in the tomb and three days passed. Can you imagine the agony? Can you imagine the sorrow for all of his disciples, his mother, as they wept because Jesus Christ had been placed in the tomb? But then you've read the chapter, you've read Matthew 28, you've read the end of Luke, you've read the Gospels where the Marys, a few of them go to the tomb early that next morning and the stone is rolled away and the angel meets them there and they say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here for he is risen. And so we celebrate today the crucifixion of Jesus, but we look forward three days and we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because yes, he died, but no, he did not stay dead. He rose again three days later to offer you and I as sinners, as vile, corrupt individuals, this free gift of eternal life. I like what Mark Williams said, in the resurrection, life puts death to death. In the resurrection, life puts death to death. Genesis ends with the de- with Joseph's death. Deuteronomy ends with Moses' death. Joshua ends with Joshua's death. The Gospels end with Jesus' resurrection. And friend, that changes everything. Because he rose again three days later, that changes everything that we have as believers in Jesus, as the church of Jesus Christ, as followers of Jesus, as students of the Bible. It changes everything for us. Well, what does it change? 2 Corinthians 5.21 ends with this, that we sinners, we vile, corrupt individuals undeserving of life can be made the righteousness of God in him. To be righteous means you are sinless. To be righteous means you are perfect. And friend, in Travis, in you, there is absolutely no righteousness. Isaiah writes, our best works, the best things that we can offer to God are as filthy rags that were used to clean unclean blood. 
That's the best thing that we can give to God. So for this verse to say, you and I who are not clean, you and I who are sinners can be made righteous, something marvelous had to happen. A sinless man had to die in our place as a substitute to defeat death for us and then offer us the free gift of salvation. And friend, that's what Jesus Christ did for you. That's what Jesus Christ did for me. So if you've never accepted Jesus, it's faith. It's faith. Romans 10, 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's as simple as saying, I'm a sinner. I realize that I am. I realize that my because of my sin, I could never go to heaven. I repent of that. And today, if it's Good Friday, if it's Easter Sunday, if it's sometime during the week, today I acknowledge my sin. David said in Psalm 32, as he was running from the Lord in verse 5, he says, but when I acknowledged my sin unto thee. That's all he asked us to do. God does not ask us to pay for our sin. He does not ask us to work off a debt of our sin. He says, hey, just acknowledge you're a sinner and believe on my son's sacrifice and you will be saved. So I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I believe, I put my whole trust, my whole hope in your death your burial, and your resurrection. Jesus, I believe you died for me. Jesus, I believe what you accomplished on the cross was for me and for my sin. And God, I believe when he was placed in the grave, but then three days later, he rose again victorious over death. And in the resurrection, death was finally put to death. I believe that with all of my heart. I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. Bible says if you do that, Romans 10, 9, the last phrase, says thou shalt be saved. And what's beautiful, in that moment, your standing with God changes. No longer are you deemed a sinner, undeserving of life. You are now looked at through a lens of Jesus' blood where he deems you justified, righteous. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he deems you righteous in his sight because not of anything you have done, not of anything that I have done, not anything your parents can give you, but everything that Jesus Christ accomplished for you on that cross so that you could have righteousness. You are deemed righteous in the sight of God. The word we use to describe that is imputed righteousness. The word impute simply means to credit onto one's account. Just like you would get money credited to your account uh, with direct deposit or whatever it is. Jesus says, hey, I credit my righteousness to your account. I give the illustration a lot. It's like a teenager asking their dad to credit his money into their account. Hey, dad, I don't have 20 bucks to eat tonight. Will you give me 20 bucks? Sure. I'll transfer my money from my checking account to your checking account. That's what Jesus did for us. It's a banking term. I will impute my righteousness, my sinlessness onto your account. And when I died 2,000 years ago, I took all of your sin, past, present, and future, and I paid for it. I canceled it out. Just like John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away, cancels out, washes away the sins of mankind. He took it all. We just have to, by faith, believe in him. So if you've never done that, it's as simple as acknowledging our sinfulness and accepting what the Lord Jesus Christ is offering to you. And if you have accepted that, it's a great week to put into perspective what Jesus Christ accomplished for you and for me so that we can have salvation, so that we can have eternal life, so that we can be justified. And so today, take time in your prayer life. Thank him. 
Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Jesus, thank you for being that sacrificial lamb. Jesus, thank you for the redemptive narrative of Scripture that all throughout the Bible there's this seamless thread where it's working to get you to the cross to pay for my sin debt. All of the Old Testament looked toward it. All of the New Testament looks back at it as that we, the salvation of mankind was fulfilled with you, Jesus, on the cross. So Jesus, thank you for your death. But Jesus, we celebrate your resurrection in just a few days. So Jesus, thank you that you are alive, you are seated, you're an intercessor, and Jesus, you're a mediator. And Jesus, we look to you for our hope, for our salvation, for every blessing that we have. And Jesus, we thank you. And friends, share that message. We're commanded in Matthew 28 to go ye therefore and teach all nations. That means you are to spread the gospel. That means Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 14, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. It says in verse 16 of Romans chapter 1, I am unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am prepared to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. What he's saying is there's lost people that need the message of the gospel, and I'm not ashamed to, to spread the gospel. I'm in debt to them, actually. I must. I'm commanded. It is my mission to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So friend, if you are saved, if you are a believer, thank him and then share the message. I like how Matthew 28 puts it. The angel invites all those to come and see that the Lord Jesus has been risen. But then it ends with go and tell. So hey, come and see. Read the gospels. Come and see. But then friend, go and tell the good news of the resurrected Lord and Jesus Christ defeated death for all of us. Hope you have a great Friday, a great good Friday, and God bless. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the I Am Persuaded podcast, please consider subscribing and share with your friends. We pray this is a blessing in your life. God bless.